Are you ready for the word this morning? Father, thank you. Thank you for meeting us here. Thank you for everything that you're doing, that you're saying. We are rooted and anchored in Jesus. We are, we are retethered. We have hooked our wagon to Jesus. And we shall not be moved off of Jesus as our foundation. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to begin a brand new series this morning on the centrality of Jesus and the necessity of Him being the foundation of our individual lives, our homes and families, Grace Church, and ultimately the world. Uh, You're building on something. You're building on something. Your individual life, your home and family, Grace Church. But as Paul says, and we'll see if we get there today, but... In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10 and 11, verse 11 specifically, he says, No other foundation can be laid than the foundation that's already been laid, and that's Jesus Christ. And in this hour, of, with all that's going on, I'm telling you the word of the Lord is, Come to me. He's calling us to himself. Somebody even said yesterday, as she has grown in her intimacy with Jesus, her love relationship with Jesus has exploded over the last six months. She's just so much more aware of His love and His presence on a daily basis. And she was asking Him, Okay, Lord, you know, what do you want me to do? And He said, Sit with me. Sit with me. Do not miss the Word of the Lord. Don't miss prophetically what He is saying in this hour. Come unto me. Sit with me. Let's get rooted and grounded in Him. Let's get tethered to Him. And in due time... We'll do what He says do when He says do it. Amen? If, if you miss an ongoing, present tense, living relationship with the Spirit of Jesus Christ on the inside of you, you have missed Christianity. Wow, I didn't get one amen on that. <laughs> I don't know if you were shocked. I hope you're not totally shocked. If you miss an ongoing, present tense, daily relationship with the Spirit of Jesus Christ, I'm talking about Spirit to Spirit, heart-to-heart, inside, intrapersonal. He's in here. Intrapersonal relationship with Jesus. You've missed Christianity. We need to know Him. Matthew 7, Depart from me, for I never knew you. Gnosko. You don't experientially have union with me. Now they had cast out demons. They had gone to church. They'd done all this great stuff, but they didn't know Him. I don't want to get ahead of myself. i got a lot to say today. (laughs) But I want to talk to you as in this series about the centrality of Jesus, the necessity of Him being the foundation of our individual lives, homes and families, our church. Because right now, guys, anything that can be shaken is being shaken. And maybe you're upset. Maybe you're upset with the state of America. Maybe you're, you're bothered. Maybe even depressed. I meet good Christian people just depressed over what's going on in the world. And all that, that's a good thing. And here's why. It is revealed that you have something as your center other than Him. You have hitched your wagon to something other than the centrality of Jesus Christ. And that's what He is calling us to. Let me show you Hebrews chapter 12, verse 27 
through 29, NIV, this expression yet once more denotes the removing of those things which can be shaken as of man-made things, created things, so that those things which cannot be shaken may remain. Why does God allow the shaking of things that you were leaning on that you shouldn't have been leaning on? And it's not just, you know, finances, politics, state of the country, whatever it may be. Why does He allow it? So that you'll learn to center yourself on Him. That you'll get yoked up to Him. Take my yoke upon you, Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28. Now, you know, a yoke is created so two can become one. That's the purpose of a yoke. Verse 28, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken. How do you get it? You don't deserve it. You don't work for it. You receive it. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable service with reverence and awe. I love that. That we give God honor and respect for our God is a consuming fire. I like to say it this way. Anything that can be shaken will be shaken until all that remains is the unshakable kingdom of God. And the unshakable kingdom of God is not a trip to heaven. And the unshakable kingdom of God is present in the earth via the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He didn't say, sign a card, get baptized, join a church, become a church member, suffer through life, and when you're dead... You can go to heaven and be happy. He didn't say that. He said, the kingdom, repent, change your mind, change your allegiance. Heaven is here. Heaven's within reach. He had brought it through the person of the Holy Spirit. And so that's his desire to live triumphantly and intimately on the inside of your heart. Amen. That's the gospel of the kingdom of God. So anything that can be shaken will be shaken until all that remains is the unshakable kingdom of God. Anchor yourself to the Spirit of God. And listen, you're going to have to learn to navigate the promises of God and the problems of this life. You're going to have to learn to navigate those. How many of you, how many of you love it when we read good, good promises that were head, not the tail? We're going to overcome. Everything's going to be great. Okay, we love those. We say amen. But did you know Jesus also taught and promised you that in the natural world you'll have tribulation, trial, distress, frustration, suffering, persecution. He promised you that too. So you've got to be able to navigate those. And how you do it is with Him. He's never promised you everything will always be roses, but He'll be with you. He'll be with you. You look at Paul and Silas, you know, I was mentioning that word out of Psalm 71.5, that our hope is the Lord. And that word hope is longing. So Paul and Silas in Acts 16 are in prison. And they're not, they're not kicking rocks and lamenting, oh God, how could you allow this to happen? We're king's kids, you know. Where's all your promises right now? Why? Because their hope wasn't in getting out of jail. Their hope was him. And he was present with them. So they began to worship right there in prison. And then when all the gates flew open, did they run out of there and say, Thank you, Lord, for the promises of God. Nope, they stayed. Led the jailer to Christ. 
Why? Because their hope is Him. Is Him, not the right set of circumstances. Are you hearing me? We must hear the voice of the Lord. He's calling you to Himself in this hour. Everything that is shakable is going to come under siege. So just get ready. Everything that we've relied on that we shouldn't be relying on is going to be proven fallible, okay? So we can anchor to Him. Uh, you may lose some of your, your comfortability, which would be a good thing. Jesus prophesied a shaking would come. He called it the beginning of sorrows, birth pangs in Matthew chapter 24. What did He say would come during the birth pangs in Matthew 24? There would be deception. There would be wars. There would be famines, pestilences. People would be easily offended. You seen any of that? People would hate each other. Lawlessness would abound and cause the love of many to grow cold. Boy, I've seen that. I've seen that in good Christian people. Hey, you can hate the sin all you want. Don't hate the sinner. That used to be you. Don't go around hoping people get what they deserve. You didn't get what you deserve. You better back off of that. You, you never got what you deserved. Still haven't got what you deserved. You got what God desired. That's your prayer. That's your prayer. You better put all that stuff away. Because as long as we're here, we're here to make sure the love of God doesn't wax cold in the earth. We'll make sure people walk in love and see the love of Christ. That's the dispensation we're still in. So we're going to keep love alive on this planet, not give in to hate. Amen. And then in verse 14, after he lists all these things, that are just the beginning of things. Matthew twenty four fourteen, he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached throughout the world. Then the end will come. So if you want to see his return, start preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. What's the gospel of the kingdom? It's his lordship. It's his internal rule, spirit to spirit in a human being. It's not, it's not signing a card. That can't save anybody. They have to receive Christ, the living, risen Christ on the inside. You must be born again, Jesus said in John 3. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. So in the natural world, you entered the natural world, a physical world through a physical birth. You're going to enter the spirit where God resides, where his throne is. You must be born of the spirit. If you're not, get born again. Get filled with the Holy Ghost and get after it. Because as long as we're here, as long as we're here, we're going to keep the love of God alive. Amen. Amen. And lead people to Christ. While many people are preparing to leave the planet, Jesus Christ is preparing this church body to lead the planet. (laughs) Love that. We're not prepping to leave the planet. We're prepping to lead it. So long as the Holy Ghost is here, the church is here, He's inside of us. Hey, you can long for His return. i got no problem with that. But don't forfeit the world to the enemy. God doesn't desire that any would perish. Why is it important to Jesus that we're preparing ourselves to really know Him, be anchored to Him, so we can help some people? That's why. Because if the Lord tarries, we want our young people, 
raised up to lead and have influence in this country. Not raised with the idea like I was, well, it's all going to burn anyway. There was so much talk about the end and the rapture and all that. I grew up in a generation that many of us just thought, there's no point. We cannot do that. If He tarries, let's be about our Father's business in the meantime. Let's make sure our young people know Him. I'm not talking about, do they know end-time theology? More important than knowing end-time theology is, do they know Him? He is the life of anything we do, anything we share, anything we teach. He's the life of it. Karen Young, who works in our accounting department, used to be Kids of Grace pastor. We were talking last week. She, she made a great statement. She said, you know, Jesus is the life of anything we do. What makes worship great this morning? Jesus, Him being in us and with us in the midst of it going on. It's not just teaching people to worship. It's not worshiping worship. The song, Heart of Worship, remember Matt Redman? I'm coming back to the Heart of Worship. Why was that written? Because the Lord convicted that church that you all are worshiping worship. You're not worshiping me. He's the life of anything we do. We want to make disciples? Sure we do. But He's the life in making disciples. We want to evangelize and preach the gospel? Yes, but He's the life in our evangelism. He's the life in our prayer. He's the life in our giving. He's everything. I love how Karen was just bringing that out because otherwise, if you're just giving them principles, you're just giving them tools, what good is that if they don't have Him? If you don't have Him intimately, you have nothing to give them. He's our Lord, He's our leader, and He's our life. He's what makes Grace Church alive. Him. Amen. So the word of the Lord is this in this season. Stay close to Jesus. Stay connected to Jesus. Stay tethered to Jesus. Stay rooted in Jesus. Stay anchored to Jesus. We are His church and we are His people. He is our unquestioned leader. I'm talking about the living, risen Christ in the present tense. And He's calling us to Himself to deeper devotion and deeper commitment to who He is, to know Him. If you look at the early church, their lives and activities were centered on Jesus. The ministry of Jesus, the words of Jesus, the commands of Jesus, and the directives of Jesus. It all came out of their personal relationship with Him. I told you I have a friend in England who pastors a church and he had said that if the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Christ in his church were removed from the early church, if the Holy Spirit's activity were taken out, 95% of what they did would have been removed. He said, but in the modern church, if the Holy Spirit is removed, 95% of what they're doing will keep going. Man, God forbid. He is the life you're looking for. Religion cannot satisfy you. Duty cannot satisfy you. Shame that propels you to do religious things can't satisfy you. He can satisfy you. Spirit to spirit, heart to heart, day to day, thought to thought, intimacy with Jesus. Amen, somebody. That's what this life is about. That's what Jesus came to do. 
In Genesis, in Genesis, we had a day-to-day, heart-to-heart, spirit-to-spirit walk with Dad. We forfeited it. We, our spirit man died. Jesus came, died on the cross, cleansed the world of all sin. The second Adam, Paul called him, to undo what the first one did, so that... The gospel is only, excuse me, the cross is only half the gospel. He did that so that the spirit of intimacy could come back inside of you. Do you not know that you are the temple now of the living God, Paul said, and the Holy Spirit dwells inside you. Talk to him. Listen to him. Live connected to him. Walk close to him. He's in there, not just to spectate. He's there to lead. Amen. He's there to Lord and he's there to be your life. Here's a word that the Lord gave the staff. We were in staff devotion a month or so ago. And listen to what the Holy Spirit said. The Lord said, no matter what I ask you to do, no matter what areas I invite you to partner with me in at Grace Church, never lose sight of the fact that I am your joy in this journey. I love that. Never lose sight of the fact that it's really about intimacy with Him, taking the journey with Him. No matter what He calls us to do and partner with Him in, we can never be moved off the foundation of intimacy with Jesus. Amen. Why? Because it's not about a result. He's not calling you to a result out there somewhere. He's calling you to know Him. I believe John 15, Jesus said... The command was to abide. And if you'll abide in me, then you will bear much fruit. Amen. He reminded us perhaps of the most important statement that e- that's ever been uttered. John seventeen three, And this is eternal life, that they know you as the one and only true God and Jesus Christ whom thou hast sent. And that word know, if you eat it, is gnosko in the Greek. And listen to this, it means to know, especially through personal experience, to know firsthand acquaintance, not passed down from somebody else, but that you know him yourself. You experientially and intimately know him. It's not enough to just believe in Jesus. Even the demons believe in Jesus. You need to know him by personal internal experience, spirit to spirit. All right, how about this? We're in a very careful and prayerful refining and retooling of Grace Church. Careful and prayerful. Refining and retooling. So that we can move as one person and one family into Jesus Christ being the foundation of all we are and all we do. I was reminded of what the Lord told us in May 2012 when we traded locations and buildings and we moved here. Be careful how you build and especially on whom you build. So I was teaching a series on marriage in May of 2012 when we traded buildings. We went from one Sunday in Nakoma Park to that little less than an acre tiny building to I think it was May 24th. That was the 17th. We were there the 24th. We were here. And he said, pause the marriage series and teach firming the foundations. And what he said, it was out of Corinthians 3, as I mentioned earlier, He said, be careful how you build. I'm not asking you to be different people. You still be people uh, locked into intimacy with me, inward intimacy, your true identity in me, the new creation. But be careful on whom you build. You have to build on me. 
And so I really believe that's what we're looking at in this hour. It's a careful and prayerful refining and retooling of who we are and being uh, anchored, having our foundation in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. Relational Christianity is all that will last in the days that are coming. Religious Christianity will not survive the shaking. Religious Christianity is man-made. Therefore, it won't last. But spirit-born relational Christianity will last because it is not a form of godliness with no power, no person, no personal relationship, no presence of the Holy Spirit. How about this, though? What will survive? Those who know who He is and know His person. Those who know His work, His mission, and what He came to do. Those who know His teaching and actually obey it. Know His voice. Know His authority. The other day I was wondering, I was a little, I had a quandary. My flesh didn't want to walk in the Spirit. My flesh wanted to be mad. So I went to the Lord with it. Smart thing. I recommend it. Amen. And (laughs) angels are singing. And he said, uh, do you want to lay me as the foundation of your life? Yes, I do. Then what is my teaching? Do you know my teaching? I said, yes, forgiveness. Seventy times seven. He said, then obey my teaching. See, you don't need a thus saith the Lord on certain things. You know what he taught. Do it. Do it. So we're going to get into that. This is, this is how, this is kind of where we're headed in this series. This is how you lay the foundation of Jesus Christ in your personal life, your home and family, Grace Church and beyond. We need to know his voice and then know his authority because his authority is now our authority. But people, these people right here will lead the way, humbly lead the way, I believe, for the great awakening that's coming. We're getting back to first things first. Jesus is our foundation. I keep telling our our leadership teams, if we get the first thing right, everything that comes out of it will be right. If you get the first thing wrong, everything that comes out of it will be wrong. So let's heed the voice of the Lord where we're sitting with Him, we're relating Him, we're getting to know Him, what it is to follow Him. He's putting us on mission together. Where we're united and we're we're one person, not around a meeting, but around His mission. We are going on mission together, not around a meeting. Come on, amen? But around His mission. Because see, a meeting is one day a week for an hour and a half or so. But if you're on mission with Jesus 24-7, hearing Him, obeying Him, walking together with church family to accomplish what He wants to accomplish. Hallelujah. Knowing Him is the number one thing that we'll take into 2021. I really believe it is the Word of the Lord. That's why this is so important. We've talked about what is a disciple at Grace Church, someone who abides in Him, walks in His ways, and does His works. 
And Jody brought out the other day, where's Jody? Right over there. Jody brought out the other day, it's so powerful. How many of you know that abiding, when we talk about a disciple of Jesus, someone who abides in him, we're talking about getting to know him, receiving from him. That's what good branches do. We're connected to him. We receive from him all day, every day. What Jody was pointing out with the arrows is, notice how abiding and intimacy with Jesus goes right into his ways, which is his character, his nature being seen in us. The more we're with him, the more we become like him. The more surrendered we are. We sang about it this morning. This is my surrender. Amen. Shouldn't be an hour on Sunday. Should be. It's not a one-time surrender. Every day. So we carry intimacy into becoming more like him. And then we carry intimacy into doing the works of Jesus. Why? Because the foundation of anything we do is him and knowing him. And we cannot go wrong with that. The flesh likes results. The flesh wants to push forward. And the Lord huddles us up and he says, okay, guys, you see that city over there? We're going to eventually, you know, preach the gospel to him. And, and everybody goes, Yee! and he's left standing there because he was about to say, but first sit with me a while. Get to know me. Let me form myself in you. And then here, I mean, Jesus as a teenager, as an adolescent, was growing in wisdom and stature with God and man 30 years before he went into ministry. And we think somebody walks the aisle and receives Jesus and now, hey, let's go, let's go change the world. We need time growing up in him. We need time getting to know him. Amen. That's right. It doesn't go the other way, does it, Nikki? It goes one way, abiding and intimate with Jesus into ways and into his works. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let it be so. Jesus is our center. He's our focal point. He's the heart of everything that we do. Herman uh, Bavnik said this, Christ is Christianity itself. He stands not outside of it, but in its center. Without his name, person, and work, there is no Christianity. In a word, Christ does not point out the way of salvation. He is the way itself. Amen. There's too many cultural Christians in the United States of America. We have more church members than we do born-again Christians. Are you listening to me? Because they traded him for a form of godliness. Maybe they think it's being a church member. Maybe they think it's going to church once a week. Maybe they think it's being a good little evangelist. Maybe they think it's being a good missionary. I'm telling you, Christianity is Christ. It's Him. He is Christianity. And the whole reason He died on the cross, that horrible death, is so His Spirit could come and live inside of you. John 14. I'm going to read it to you. I love John 14, 15, and 16 because he's preparing uh, the disciples that he's going to leave. Can I get a witness? They didn't want him to leave. But he said, and I quote, it's better that I leave because once I leave, I'll come back and be inside you. The spirit that loves humanity through me, that preached the gospel through me, the spirit that's going to raise me from the dead... Declare the kingdom in you. This could be in you. 
And now Christianity moves from the imitation of Jesus, which, can I get a witness, is hard after the flesh. You're going to be like Jesus without him? Yeah, not possible. So we move from the, the imitation of Jesus to the indwelling of Jesus. He said, it's better I go away because I'm going to come back to you and then I'm going to live inside of you. Listen to John 14, 16. I'll pray the Father and He'll give you another Helper, capital H, that is the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the Advocate, that He may abide with you for... Till you mess up. He'll abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him or knows Him. So the world only believes what they can see. That's challenging for an unseen kingdom and a God who is spirit. But you know Him, for He dwells with you now and will be where? In you. He'll be in you. He's with you now because the Holy Spirit is in me, but I'm going to die on the cross and I'm going to send Him to you. Verse 18, I love it. I will not leave you as orphans. I will not leave you fatherless. I will come to you. I'm going to come back to you in the person of the Holy Spirit so you can have that same Spirit that raised Him from the dead triumphantly, victoriously, intimately living in you. We are not going out with an escapist mindset. We're going out with a victorious mindset. Amen? We're not, we're not just hanging on to the end. We're not taking our Vienna sausages and 12 gauges to the, to the caves. Oh, dear God, save me from the Antichrist. Bring him on. Bring him on. Bring him on. Amen. We've got the Holy Ghost. We've got his word. We've got his blood. We've got his life. We've got his spirit. We've got the son of the living God. Ask not. Look what the world is coming to. How about look who's coming to the world. The spirit of Jesus Christ is coming to the world. Glory to God. Amen. I'm a radical. I'm up here saying, bring on the Antichrist. Oh my goodness. <laughs> e. Stanley Jones said, Christianity has its doctrines, but it's not a doctrine. It has its commands and instructions, but it's not a command. It has traditions, but it's not a tradition. Christianity is Christ. The living Christ on the inside of each and every one of us. Forging us together to work the works of God. To be like Him. To deal the devil damaging blows. We may die martyrs, but we won't die of boredom. Amen. They throw us all in jail. We'll have a great prison ministry. The world will be knocking on the, dale, the doors of the prison to get in there. Because Jesus is moving in prison. <laughs> His people are in there. Let me in there. That's where you'll find us. Man, what time is it? 1025. <laughs> All right, go to, go to Acts 1. Go to Acts 1. Acts chapter 1. The former account I made, O Theophilus, of all that... Jesus began both to do and to teach. Notice that name. Until the day in which Jesus was taken up. After Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, had given commands to the apostles whom Jesus had chosen. Do you see the centrality of Jesus here in the birthing of the church? 
to whom Jesus also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proofs, being seen by them during 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God on the earth, the spirit of God living triumphantly in human hearts. Politicians cannot save this planet. Politics cannot change the heart of a human being. It cannot. Only the Spirit of God can do it. That's why He took those 40 days after the resurrection. How many of you know He's got their attention? (laughs) 40 days on the kingdom of God. Not church membership. None of uh, the traditions, any of that. The kingdom of God for 40 days. You realize you're too great a creation to be satisfied by anything but the Spirit of God. You're too great a creation to be satisfied by anything but God's Spirit. That's why Jesus, I love Him. He came. He's like, Father, I will go. I will set this right. Because they cannot be satisfied with religion and they sure can't be satisfied with the world. So I will make a way for your Spirit to return to them. And I'll make a way, Father, where you can... Look at your children once again and see your likeness. Can I get a witness? Without the Spirit of God, we cannot look like God. So Jesus had to die on the cross so that the the very likeness of God, His Spirit of sonship, ownership, validation, uh, would would return to us. And now the Father can look at you and see Himself again. It's the the greatest love story ever. Verse 4, And being assembled together with them, Jesus commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. So do you see this? Jesus was, He was teaching. He was doing. He was taken up. He was giving commands. Now he's, He's commanding them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said, You've heard from Me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Amen. Much of the Western church is still in John's baptism. A baptism unto repentance. Let's get them water baptized and check their name off the list. He didn't come just so you get water baptized. He came so you'd be immersed in the Spirit of God again. That Spirit to Spirit return. John four twenty four. God is Spirit. Whoever worships Him does so in Spirit and in truth. That's why, that's why in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, it says in the last days, perilous times will come. Men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, disobedient to parents, uh, you know, going after money, going after lust. And then verse 5, they hold to a form of godliness, but there is no power. That word power is dunamis. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, and you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So there's a religion, a religious aspect of Christendom that's deadly. There's no life in it because the Spirit is not in it. Maybe one of the reasons I get so excited, you know, I tell you all the time, nobody has to kick me out of bed to come on Sunday morning. Maybe one of the reasons I get so excited is because I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, right? Who wants to go to a church where you just know, I mean, you just know, well, this is what's going to happen. No, He's the life of the church. He's a life in you. He's a life in me. And He's certainly the life in our corporate expression. Amen. So John baptized with water under repentance. And that's great. But I'm telling you, 
Jesus came that you'd be immersed and reconnected with the Spirit of your Father. Verse 6, Therefore, when they had come together, they asked Him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? They're still thinking natural kingdom. They're still thinking this is a natural government, right? We, the Israelis, will be in charge, right? Wrong. <laughs> I never said that. Right. Wrong. It's not a natural kingdom, boys. It's not a political party. It's not... Who, who possesses the kingdom? Who do you say the kingdom belongs to? The poor in spirit, the children, the persecuted, and whoever bears the fruit of it. Matter of fact, he told the religious Jews of his day, the kingdom will be taken from you and given to those who bear the fruit of it. Sounds like the fruit of the spirit. That's who the kingdom uh, belongs to. He had to lift it out because of human fallen human nature. He had to lift it out of humanity being the criteria. Because you know what man would do? Well, you've got to be born of a certain nation. Oh, you've got to be a certain tribe. Oh, you've got to be a certain religious sect. How about this? You've got to be a certain color. How about this one? You've got to be a certain gender. In Luke 4, Jesus announces... That the kingdom is for everyone. If you're a human being, I'm buying it for you and I'm giving it to you. And they tried to throw him off a cliff. Read Luke 4 from about verse 18 till the end. They tried to throw Jesus off a cliff. They were filled with rage, the Bible says, because he didn't come for a kingdom for some. He came offering a kingdom for all. If you're a human being, you can have it. And he lifted it out of race. He lifted it out of gender. He lifted it out of uh, what nation are you from? What tribe are you from? He lifted it out of all the human aspects. It's a spirit-born kingdom. And if you're poor enough to receive it, if you're childlike in your faith, you can have it. And that's the best criteria any fallen human being could beg for. So the criteria is not for the most deserving, but for the most receptive. Yeah. Those who acknowledge their need of him. I love Matthew 5, 3, the first statement of the Sermon on the Mount in the New English Bible. How blessed are they who know their need of God. Jesus is saying this, all of heaven belongs to you. If you're poor enough, you're humble enough, you can have it. But if you try to earn it, if you think God owes you something, especially because of your works or your religious identities, you'll miss the kingdom. He even told, uh, I believe it was in John five twenty. he told... Uh, a crowd, he said, unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees, you'll never enter the kingdom of God. And I'm telling you, the Pharisees, as far as man-made righteousness and rules, they were killing it. But the one they said they knew and loved walked right up to him and they couldn't recognize him. That's what religion will do to you. So how does our righteousness surpass the religiosity of the Pharisees, all the rule-keeping they did? Our righteousness came from the Son of God. There is no righteousness apart from what I receive from Him. Yeah, And because I've received it from Him, that means I am in right standing with God. That is a done deal. That's a finished work because it came from Him, not because I'm religious. Amen, somebody? Your righteousness must surpass the religiosity of the Pharisees, or you'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. The gift of righteousness comes from Jesus Christ. Second Corinthians 5.21, God made him who knew no sin to become sin 
Did Jesus become sin on the cross? He did. That's what killed him. He had to take our sin. He had to pick it up and take it because he didn't have any. He'd have never died if he didn't take our sin. He took our sin, became sin. What's the second part of 2 Corinthians 5.21? So that we might become the righteousness of God. And so we are righteous. But I'm humbly in it. I'm humble with it because it was gifted to me. I didn't earn it. I received it, which is the keynote of the kingdom of God. If you're poor enough to receive it, if you'll acknowledge that apart from Him, you have nothing, you can do nothing, all of heaven belongs to you. All of it. One thing to belong to heaven. It's another thing for all the resources of your Father's kingdom to now belong to you. That's why I'm saying we can't, this is not an escapist mentality. You have your Father's kingdom at your disposal. You have His righteousness, His peace, His joy, His love, His forgiveness at your disposal. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So will you restore the kingdom to Israel? They're thinking natural again. He said to them, It's not for you to know the times and seasons which the Father has put in His authority. Verse 8, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be what? My, my witnesses. Witnesses unto me. Jesus is the center of the early church. And you'll do it in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Verse 9, Now when He had spoken these things, while they watched, He was taken up, and a cloud received Him out of their sight. I think this is fascinating. He, he did not, how many of you think he came on mission? He came to do something. He came to accomplish something for his father. Is that fair? Notice he didn't leave after the cross. He didn't leave after he shed blood. He didn't, he didn't leave after he preached the gospel of the kingdom. He doesn't leave until right here he lets them know, this is why I came. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I came to get the Spirit of God back to you. Once that was unfolded, then he left. He didn't come to make church members. He didn't come to just die on the cross. I love the blood of Christ, but it was a means to an end. So you could know him, spirit to spirit, heart to heart, thought to thought on the inside. Come on, give God praise in this house. That's powerful. Thank you, Lord. I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. So he doesn't leave until then. Now verse 10, this is funny. And while they looked steadfastly to heaven, <laughs> as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel and said, Guys, why are you standing here gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven, he's going to come in like manner. That's, the, that's much of the modern church. Jesus, where are you, man? <laughs> Save us, Lord. He's like, I already did. Get busy. I gave you the Holy Ghost. I gave you the Word. I gave you intimacy with Father. I gave you the very Spirit of the living God. I gave you resurrection power. Stop gazing into heaven. Get saved. Get filled with the Holy Spirit and get after it. Amen? Stand with me. Woo! Hallelujah. Glory, glory, glory. You realize, guys, that in Jesus' day, when John the Baptist or Jesus, when people were getting water baptized, it was not a celebration of a of personal salvation and a free trip to heaven. That's not why they got baptized. 
They got baptized because they were enlisting. At even the peril of losing their own families who might reject them for following him. It was, it was an enlistment in the greatest cause ever introduced to humankind. And that is to change the culture of the earth to look like heaven. That's why they got baptized. They wanted to be part of Jesus' mission to get the Spirit of God inside human hearts. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. You're here this morning. I've said it several times. If you're not born again, you need to get born again of the Holy Spirit. What I mean by that, you just invite Jesus into your heart. And maybe you've done that. Probably most people in this room have done that. But is He Lord now? Your next step is, have you abdicated rulership to Him? Because He's not there to just spectate. He's there to lead. So if you're here this morning and you'd say, Brother Steve, I want to be born again. I, I want to start my walk with Jesus. I want to receive him into my heart. If that's you, would you slip your hand up and say, pray for me, Brother Steve, anyone. You've been listening to Grace Church, advancing God's kingdom, one heart at a time. For more, visit us online at gracechurch.community.